0: Good morning to you, nice to see you everybody. My name is Pete, I'm the pastor. Welcome to you if it's your first time here or if you're visiting. It's time for uh, our Bible reading and our sermon. And uh, have you ever noticed that Christians eat pork? Yes. (laughs) I mean, it seems obvious when you say it, don't you? But uh, Christians are free to eat bacon and sausages and ham. I mean, they may choose to be vegetarian or vegan, that's up to them. But there is nothing binding them that says you may not eat Whereas other religions, reading some of the same words that we're about to read, say, no, 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 you must not eat any pork, and a few other animals too. So what gives? Because uh, we're about to read Leviticus uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, a selection thereof. And it would smack of a great selectivity if we ignored the bits that we don't like I just quite like to eat pork so I'll just ignore that bit in the Old Testament but, but plucked out and held on to the bits that we do like and that's highly inconsistent and will lead to great problems further down the line so that's what we're exploring today would you pray with me I, I, I feel the, the weight and the density of what we're about to explore but let's, let's pray for God's help Father, we look to you and we love Jesus. Bring our hearts back to him. Surely his mercy is deeper than anything we've been through in life. Any complexity we may come across, including this one. And Lord, we, we, we want to know how to be holy and live for him. So please would you show us. We ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In your Bibles, I'm looking at Leviticus chapter 11 and then I'll guide you through some readings from then on. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. Verse 41. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean It is not to be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. Chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash, or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease. They must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore in the skin. And if the hair in the sore is turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep. It is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Verse 45. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Chapter 14, verse 33. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you enter the land of Canaan which I am giving you as your possession and I put a spreading mould in a house in that land the owner of the house must go and tell the priest I have seen something that looks like a defiling mould in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mould so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. After this the priest is to go in and inspect the house. Chapter 15 verse 1 the Lord said to Moses and Aaron speak to the Israelites and say to them when any man has an unusual bodily discharge such a discharge is unclean whether it continues flowing from his body or is blocked it will make him unclean this is how the discharge will bring about uncleanness and finally verse 31 you must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean for they will not die, so, so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I became a Christian 21 years ago, and um, most years of those 21, I've tried to read the Bible all the way through, just to sort of keep cycling through it and um, haven't always managed it but um, every time I get to these chapters particularly Leviticus chapters 11 to 15 and I think what (laughs) Uh, what are these here for Uh, it seems so detailed almost obsessive about skin and spots and all sorts of fluids that may come from your body and I think come again I remember when we started this series a few weeks ago, someone joked that Leviticus is the book in the Bible where Bible-in-a-year reading plans go to die. And that got quite a good laugh at the time, actually. I think it's funny because it, there is a, an element of truth in that. that um, is the strange book. And the, if, if Leviticus is the book where reading plans like that go to die, then I think maybe Leviticus 11 to 15, are the, they're, they're the room where the plan finally curls up and breathes its last. Because they're just long, and you think, what's all this about? Some of them... The rules we just read—they feel pretty weird, or arbitrary, a bit icky, perhaps. I mean, we are dealing today with dead animals, pus, mould, blood, and semen. So uh, you know that that actually would have been quite a, uh, a grabby title for my sermon, wouldn't it? Dead animals, pus, mould, blood, and semen. That, but there you go—that's that's that's the content of it all. Maybe I should have made that the sermon title. Is this not, therefore, something we can skate over and perhaps we could get something more enjoyable? Well, my friends, I want to say to you, I'm afraid not. I am actually keen that we land here for this week because, A, we don't do that that with the Bible. We don't just skate over the things that aren't immediately appealing to us. It, It says often, the Lord said this. So we consider that and give it its due weight. Even more than that, these chapters have proved very divisive in history. So, lots of the difficulties between Jewish and non-Jewish people have arisen from these chapters the way, the way the Jewish people prize their food laws and their kosher laws and the way they see other people as unclean that, that's a big in-out thing for them which has created difficulty so for that reason alone I just want to slow, down, slow down, take it carefully, let's, let's consider it and then in the New Testament you get these people called the Pharisees they're mega keen on their like food and cleanliness laws and that is divisive, it's explosive whenever it comes up so for that reason too ooh, like I don't want to skate over it I want to go slower through this stuff um, so that it, we're, we're careful previously in Leviticus we had two guys who really weren't very careful do you remember Nadab and Abihu last week they were, they were priests, they were on day one in the job they swanned into the tent of meeting and you know, they just got consumed by fire because they weren't careful and they did a massive failure Um, if you have chapter 10 verse 10 in your Bible we didn't just read this but chapter 10 10 it sums up what the priest was to do Leviticus 10 10 they were to distinguish between the holy and the common between the unclean and the clean and what we're about to see in Leviticus 11 to 15 the section that follows is a whole load of laws that distinguish between the holy and the common the clean and the unclean so let me just prove it to you if you turn to the very end of our section end of chapter 15 do you have that? 15 verse 31 remember we, we said before that they would have listened orally to the scriptures in those days so they, they were listening for the markers the things that rounded off sections and here's one of them 15:31. you must keep the Israelites separate from the things that make them unclean so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place which is among them these are the regulations and, and so on so that's a, that's a summary heading so we've been saying it's about God's dwelling place you must keep them separate they need to know that I'm, I want to dwell with them but they need to know what makes them unclean and 107 times in these five chapters it says the word unclean so that's what it's all about simple in, in that sense it's about uncleanness there are three main ritual states in Leviticus where's the best place to put that if I put that there can you see Okay. three main ritual states in Leviticus there's things that are holy God is holy wow he's amazing he's perfectly pure in his moral majesty then there's the clean things that's like your, that's your everyday ordinary state so if you're an ordinary human being in your ordinary state you are clean if you're an ordinary animal you are clean if you're an ordinary object you're clean you get the idea And then there's uncleanness, which it's pointing out today. There's things which have become defiled, like they've entered a a ritual state of uncleanness. And it's, it's trying to distinguish those for us. There's a, there's, a, there's a descent here from order into chaos. So God is the orderly one in the universe. You know, he's the one who is perfectly ordered. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is good. And then as you move towards uncleanness, there's chaos. So you move through the Israelite camp, then you go outside the camp. Things that are unclean go outside the camp and, and they have to stay there until they're ready to be welcomed back in again. So order to chaos is going on as well. If it helps... I think COVID helps us out here. You remember in, in COVID times, um, you could test positive and realize that you had COVID. And sometimes it was your own stupid fault because you knew you weren't supposed to go to a party and you went to a party anyway during lockdown and you caught COVID and don't, you know, you, you, I, I broke the rules, but I, sort of, it serves me right and I deserve to be prosecuted. But other times, most of the time, you just got COVID, and you'd, you'd be looking at this positive line on your lateral flow test thinking, oh, what? How, how did I catch COVID? That doesn't make any sense. I've, I've hardly been outside. Remember those? And that category is more of what we're dealing with in Leviticus 11 to 14. So people could become unclean, not in these chapters really because they did anything morally wrong. Something just touched them. Like they, just, they just touched something that is ritually unclean or they had a period or we'll we'll talk about things like that or they had a baby and that's not morally wrong it's just there's this ritual state of uncleanness so that's a bit more what we're talking about today It's, it's a bit less of the moral category like I've sinned and done something wrong I need to be made holy it's a bit more wow there's something wrong with the fabric of creation that I can't just come in into God's holiness and be welcomed back into his presence why does this matter to you? Well, my friends, you are called to be holy, right? The Bible says, be holy. And yet, you can't always avoid unholiness. You can't always avoid uncleanness. So we're, gonna, we're just going to be exploring that for a few more moments. We're called to be holy, but we can't always avoid uncleanness. I'm going to try and say something about each chapter so that we, we walk through it together, and then we'll, we'll draw it together, and we'll talk about Jesus. There is an outline on your sermon page, so if, if because it's complex, you might like to follow along. Firstly, Leviticus 11 is about food. The Lord wanted Israel to eat distinctively, so they were allowed to eat beef or lamb or fish, but they weren't allowed to eat camel or rabbit or pork. For instance, chapter 11, verse 3 says, You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. So, just to be super clear, we're not bound by food laws. Mark chapter 7 verse 19, Jesus declared all foods clean. And Acts chapter 10, there's this important moment where Peter, the, the arch Jew, says, oh, I see I could eat anything, wow. So we, we don't have dietary laws as Christians. You can even eat halal food or other food to do with um, having a sacrificed to idols if your conscience is okay with it. And the Bible says if you've considered those around you who may, who may have a more tender conscience than you. Leviticus 11 is also the mathematical center of the Torah, and that's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's right in the middle. So five books, Leviticus is the middle book. Leviticus 11 is the middle chapter of the middle book in terms of quantity of words, and Leviticus chapter 11, the, the final paragraph, is the middle paragraph in the middle book of the first five books of the Torah. You may think, why are you being obsessive? The Jews were obsessive, so they, they knew, they could tell you, you could Google it, what's the middle book, they could tell you the, the paragraph right in the middle of the Torah and we'll come back to that because there's something really significant that's written there. But that's Leviticus 11, that's about food. Leviticus 12 is about childbirth, so do you notice chapter 12 verse 1 the Lord said to Moses say to the Israelites a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will become ceremonially ceremonially unclean for seven days just as she is unclean during her monthly period this seems to be to do with blood loss because it's compared to a woman's monthly period so it's it's not that they're saying well giving birth that's a bad thing so you're unclean again this is not a moral category I think what's going on is blood represents life so Leviticus 17 it actually says, Blo- the blood is the life. So it's a big deal. So if a woman loses blood, then that's a sign that she's, right on, the, she's on the border between like, um, life and death. She's like human beings. are living on the precarious boundary between life and death. And so it's saying, actually, uh, in order to restore you, we're, we're, we're imposing this period of ritual cleansing. I think that's what's going on there. It's a sign of life and order ebbing away, but God wants to bring you back. Leviticus 13 is about skin. There's a lot about skin, actually. That's a long one, Leviticus 13. But something important becomes obvious in Leviticus 13, which is that the priest is not a doctor. The priest, you know, it's kind of medical. he you bring yourself to the priest. He'll examine you. He'll tell you whether you've got a defiling skin disease. But it's, it's not like modern medicine where the priest then tries to cure you. The priest doesn't have any power to cure. He just has power to um, isolate you and determine, pronounce whether you're clean or unclean. So he's kind of like like a lateral flow test. The only thing he can do is say you are positive or negative, clean or unclean. Chapter 13, verse 3. The priest is to examine the sore in the skin, and if the hair in the sore is turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce that person ceremonially unclean. So he, he has the power to pronounce There's a bit at the end of chapter 13 which is about mold. So uh, this is if, you're, if you had a nice leather bag but it got mold in it or if you had a wine skin and it, it got a bit yucky, then you'd have to bring that to the priest. And chapter 13:47, as for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothing, verse 50, the priest is to examine the affected area, isolate the article for seven days, and so on and so on. He might end up burning it if he pronounces that it's spreading that's chapter 13 chapter 14 is about how to be cleansed so this is how to be cleansed from a disease you need to get cured and remember the priest can't do that for you you just have to go outside the camp you just have to wait till your skin gets better and then you can come back in and you can do the the cleansing rituals so there's something lacking here bear that in mind chapter 14 verse 1 says the Lord said to Moses these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest the priest is to go outside the camp and examine them if they have been healed of their defiling skin disease the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed so you get this little ceremony if you want to be brought back in from a defiling disease you need two birds one bird dies one bird gets set free we're going to come back to this next week. Two animals, one dies, one gets set free. We'll talk about the Day of Atonement next time. There's a costliness to it all because for someone to be brought close to God you still need a sacrifice and it is going to take a cosmic sacrifice to bring back a multitude of worshippers not just from a skin disease but from a, like the fabric of creation has been torn. So how do you come back from that? Oh, we'll talk about that. And then finally, on our whistle-stop tour, Leviticus 15. Just to round off a really weird set of chapters, let's talk about reproductive fluids, shall we? So Leviticus chapter 16, you get uh, blood and you get a man's nocturnal emissions, which is, that's a wet dream, isn't it? That's what that is. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When any man has an unusual bodily discharge, such a discharge is unclean when I was new here I I went to uh, visit one of our senior ladies in the congregation who normally has to stay at home and she'd been listening to the sermons and she would oh you're not afraid to talk about sex are you in the pulpit (laughs) and uh, and, and she did say we've never had a priest like that before but um, I I took it as a compliment because I said well if the Bible is willing to talk about it then I don't want to be more shy than the Bible I don't don't see the reason for that so that's fine And, uh, and no doubt if she's watching Greetings to you, Loretta. Uh, hope you're enjoying this one. The point here is not, it's not that sex is dirty. right? Sex is a gift from God. He makes it. He makes it to be enjoyed in a marriage between a man and a woman. So it's a gift. It's a really amazing gift. So that's not the point. Nor is the point, as it goes on to talk about periods, The menstruation is not wrong. It's amazing. It's this incredible reproductive gift. And God says in the Bible... Be fruitful and multiply. And this is, this is like the central aspect of all of that. So it's not that that stuff is uh, yucky to God and wrong. I think the point here seems to be that you humans, you live on the boundary between life and death. You, know, like you just leak reproductive fluids out of your body and you can't control it. But I'm inviting you to not be unclean for the rest of your existence. I want you to come and be holy. I want you to come and live with me. But I'm teaching you that doesn't just happen at the drop of a hat. You don't just walk in here and dwell with a holy God. Let's try and draw some of these threads together, shall we? So i have tried to give you a little walk through the five chapters. I think at a base level it is clear that God cares about all of life. Every meal that you eat, every period that you may have had, every rash on your skin, every spot on your body it's all, it's all covered here isn't it it's all taken into consideration it's, it's everyday life and don't give me a Christianity that's up there in the abstract that you can never pin down I want, a, I want a Christianity which can talk about these things and which makes it clear that God is the God of the everyday but you also see don't give me a religion that, that gives you priests with no power to cure I need need something that has the power not just to certify me as unclean but something that can go deeper and this is the bit I'm most excited about. Because if I live in this world where if I come into contact with a skin disease or a mildew or a mold or someone just touches me and it makes me unclean then I'm done. there There is no hope for me or for you. But, and here's the thing, Jesus Christ comes along and he's God in human skin, and he moves towards people, and he, guess what? Just this really simple thing. Just touches them. So, if, if forgive me, James, can I, can I touch your hand? So Jesus, he just moves towards people and touches them. So you get a guy in the gospel with a skin disease, and to see, you get this simple line, he touched him, and he said to him, be clean, Luke chapter five. Or you get a woman, um, Benny, would you mind if I... You get a woman who's been bleeding, and she's uncontrollable bleeding, and we know that that's a sign of uncleanness. But he, he says she touches him, and he, far from sending her away, he says, y- "You're clean." Or he moves towards somebody who—let's see, sorry, would you mind? He—you uh, get a woman who's been sexually defiled, and yet Jesus—he doesn't say, yeah, "Get away from me! Get outside the camp." He says, "Can I eat with you? Can I come to your table?" That's amazing. Or he goes towards. Uh, someone who's just died, you get boys and girls who've just died and he touches them and they come back to life. So what's going on here is instead of, instead of Jesus being demoted and degraded, like Jesus, because oh, Jesus, you've touched them, you move moved down the chain, you are unclean, something weird happens where he bumps them back up the chain. You are clean. And he explicitly says, Luke chapter five, I am willing, be clean. So it's, it's some sort of Power in Jesus that makes people clean. And um, you remember we said it's a bit like living with the sun in Leviticus. If you can imagine living with the sun, there's lots of benefits to living with the sun and and it's very, very dangerous. Well, I think this is exactly what you'd expect, wouldn't it? Imagine the sun shrank itself down and it it had two legs and two arms and and it lived with you. Imagine God had done that, which is like the incarnation. What would you expect? Well, you'd expect like awesome holiness and power you would expect him not to have compromised his holiness in any way that's true he he always upholds the law and yet you would expect all the love and the kindness and the gentleness of God to be present that's exactly what you get so when he touches you you're clean you're pure I think this is why C.S. Lewis if you know Narnia stories this is why he talks about the, the, the deeper and ancient magic you know when Narnia begins to thaw out that is not just the fact that um, Aslan is paying for people's sins on the stone table it's also just just he is turning the clock back he is reversing the disorder in creation he's winding it back towards himself it's amazing so it's like that's Romans 8 thing you know Jesus is restoring creation In the New Testament, it says very significantly a little bit of our passage for today. So let's just try and do this before we finish. Um, Would you like to turn with me? 1 Peter, chapter one. Page 1217. 1 Peter, chapter one. And I want to read to you one of those precious places where Leviticus actually gets quoted and picked up on and explained. One Peter one verse fifteen on page one thousand two hundred and seventeen. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." And we talked about the mathematical centre of the of the five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. This is it. So it picks it up. Very significant. It's simple. It's beautiful. It says, "Be holy." So I want to encourage you, my friends, today. Be holy. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Just notice the logic in those paragraphs. You you have purified yourself. You are cleansed by the precious blood of Christ. You're already in this state of holiness. Get it? Now she just say cleanness, it's talking about holiness. So now, now you're called to be holy just prove it to you, just turn over one more page, chapter two, 1 Peter chapter two. Remember we talked last week about the priesthood and how we're, every Christian is a priest. Well chapter two verse five, chapter two five, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy what? Priesthood. Holy priesthood, right? So it's priesthood, but it's, you're, you're holy. So it says the same thing in verse nine. So be holy because he's already made you that way in the New Testament I realised as I went backwards and forwards on this this week uh, it, just, <laughs> it just really wants to talk about holiness you've been made holy to so be holy actually I looked and looked for references to clean and unclean in the New Testament and it doesn't, it doesn't really do it so uh, there are references to it, Jesus was having debates with people, but Romans 14, verse 14, Paul says, I, I don't consider anything unclean, uh, so I'm happy to eat whatever food. So the, the New Testament, it runs these two things together and, and it ends up saying, look, there is holy and there is not holy. And this is what you are if you are a priest. If you're a priest of God, if you're a Christian, then God has made you holy be holy. Holiness has always been weird, hasn't it? I mean, in the Old Testament, it must have seemed really weird. Look at, look at the Israelites. What are they doing? They just get Aaron and his sons, and they've just made these like, colorful stuff for them, and they've set them apart as priests, and they've called them holy. That's kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, but they were told to do it by their holy God. In Roman times, it must have been really strange. You know, that the Christians didn't go to the gladiator fights because they didn't want all the gruesome violence. What are those weird Christians doing with their holiness? Uh, yeah, that was strange. Daniel in the Bible, I mean, he, he didn't define himself. He, he wanted to live this holy life for God in Babylon. What's Daniel doing? He's living a holy life. In the 1800s, you've got Christians in this country. They started something called the Keswick Convention, and it was called the Holiness Movement. What are those weird Christians doing in the late district? Why do they keep going on about holiness in all of life? Well, they're, they're living a holy life for God. And today you might be viewed as very weird for trying to live a holy life. The way you tell the truth, the way you insist on worshipping with other Christians, the way you conduct yourself with your sexual ethics, the way you bring up your family. People may just think, what's that weird Christian doing with their holiness? Well, they're being holy, as God has called them to be holy. I spoke to a couple just recently, a Christian couple in um, they were not married during lockdown, but um, the advice from the government, apparently in this country, several government ministers were saying, "Just, just move in together. Test out your relationship by moving in together." And to their great credit, they said, "No, we are we're not going to do that because we, we want to be holy, and God is talking to us about what's holiness what, in our lives." And God says to you, "Look, I, I've made you holy." It's not like you have to make yourself holy. I've done that for you in Jesus Christ. So now you live that way. What an amazing privilege. And yet what a life's work. Shall we pray? Let's take a moment in quiet. And maybe the Lord is putting something on your heart. Something you you know. Some area of holiness he is calling you to. Why not talk to him in, in silence about that now? Holy, holy, holy God. We hear you making us holy and calling us now to live holy. Father, if this is the way you want us to live, then please give us all power by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you, the Holy One, would draw us and teach us and guide us. pray that where there are things we need to repent of, we lay them aside today. and We don't want any part in that anymore. But Lord, we want to live for you. So we ask it simply in the powerful, holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.